welcome to Dude Logic, the place for no holds barred, informative, and entertaining banter. Think of it as a place for refined barbershop talk, where man logic ultimately prevails. I'm Chris, and I'm in the studio with AJ. What's going on, y'all? Happy to be back for another week, man. We're just excited about this episode. We got a lot going on for you today. Just want to, like always, thank everybody who's been listening since day one and everybody who's been listening since today. Just reminder, continue writing in, giving us some ideas so we can keep giving you what you want to hear on a weekly basis. Yeah, definitely. We like to thank the listeners for tuning in every week and writing in and, and really just supporting us. It really means a lot to us. We got a special episode for you guys. This episode is a Super Bowl-themed episode. To commemorate this auspicious occasion, we have a referee's whistle that we will sound every time AJ says something that can be deemed inappropriate or offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is gonna you're gonna be blowing that whistle a lot. So AJ, you notice anything different about me? Oh yeah, man! It looks like uh, looks like you might have gone into to uh, what reverse puberty? You're going in the wrong direction now. <laughs> What's going on, man? It looks like you lost a few years. Oh yeah, I shaved off the goatee to stand in solidarity with my non-bearded brethren. <laughs> oh man, you let them infect you with that poison? That's terrible. Poison, huh? Hey, hey look! All I'm saying, you made the wrong decision. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. I'm standing in solidarity with the guys who cannot grow the beards or the guys who, who just can't because of their jobs or who physically can't. I mean, what, what is this? Did, did, are, is this in response to the people who wrote in and or called you and let you know that they weren't necessarily excited about my opinion? This is exactly in response to – well, this is actually standing with those people, yes. Okay, okay. So I'll, I'll say this. If they had a beard, they probably would be less sensitive and wouldn't have felt the need to call and write in to complain about how I felt. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you would have said something about negative about bearded guys, none of us would have picked up the phone to call you and say, hey, I don't appreciate that. Come on. <laughs> I know I know some of you guys that are that are listening that uh, spoke to Chris. Uh, y'all could have picked up the phone and called me directly and that I would have explained to you calmly how growing a beard will be the best thing that ever happened to you. (laughs) Okay, so last week I implored you to find me some evidence and throughout the week, yeah, you have come to me with various things, articles. I did a little due diligence. Yeah, yeah, you did a little diligence. Just a little. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to turn something around on you. I'm going to take one of your pieces of evidence, something that was actually said in there, and I'm going to turn around at you. Uh, So it said that 98% of Men in the Forbes top 100 are clean shaven. How do you mm-hmm. explain that? I mean, that's clear. That's that's, that's very easy for me to explain. Uh, out of those 98 percent of men who are clean shaven, that are on the Forbes top 100, I mean, the honest reason why is because there are more powerful, uh, wealthier men in the background that they're really just fronts for. You know, they're the they're the the pretty face, so that you know. The rest of the world doesn't have to be intimidated by the man with a beard in the background. It's really what it is. It's no different than, you know, a Ponzi scheme where, you know, I'm making money in the background. I'll let somebody else take the fall for me. Or, you know, for years when, you know, you're looking at 
mob organizations who have their front companies. You know, there's always got to be somebody that's the face of the company that can deal with all of the day-to-day lightweight. You know, just handle my lightweight. I'm going to step back here in the, uh, in the shadows and just keep running things from a distance. Mm. You know, the men, men of power and influence don't need to be in the spotlight. That's, that's what us bearded men do. We run things from, from you know, from, from the background. Uh, I see. So let's look at some other evidence that you presented with me with. Okay. Uh, there was an article that mentioned a few advantageous things about men with beards. So one yes. was that beards protect you against the sun. Uh, another was that beards prevent asthma attacks. Another was that it's... Have you seen my skin, Chris? <laughs> so that's the Baby next soft. point. That's Baby the next soft. point. Beautiful. One of them was that it slows down aging. <laughs> the other one was that it helps fight off coughs. Who and, who doesn't want all of this in life, Chris? I mean, that's 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 on a, honestly. You're telling me beards do all of this for you, and you don't want one? Come on now. Well, you know, the scientists and me went back and looked at all the studies that they were quoting and poked holes through it. No, you don't say. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, protecting you against think, the sun. Hey, little, like, you, Chris, you know half the thing I send you are just to see how far you'll take the research, right? Just to see how how far your brain is going to make you you know, run down a rabbit's hole. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. That's what it is. It is, man. Well, I but you would know, tell... you, never, you never disappoint. You never disappoint. <laughs> I would tell the listeners out there, uh, this thing is talking about beers protecting against the sun. It actually was talking about a published study where researchers looked at sun rays on bearded mannequins and unbearded mannequins looking at different areas of the skin uh, to see what the actual UV exposure was or ultraviolet exposure. And the thing I had about this is they didn't differentiate between harmful and useful UV radiation. There's a certain graph, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but where it says that low UV exposure is bad for you and high UV exposure is bad for you. Low UV exposure being on the side of actually having brittle bones and things of that nature, whereas high UV exposure... Not getting enough vitamin D. Yeah, you're not getting enough vitamin D. Uh, and the high UV exposure being on the end of having all t- types of um, cellular type issues, including cancer, so skin cancer. But this study didn't differentiate between the harmful versus the beneficial rays. And it also didn't really give any indicator of the potential for uh, skin defects or, or skin rashes or even melanoma or skin cancer. It basically just said, oh, there's less sun penetrating there. But you can still get skin cancer. Yeah. Yeah, you probably can. (laughs) But probably less likely than if you have no beard. Okay. So what about the asthma thing? The the argument there was that the beard, especially like a long mustache, actually keeps a a lot of allergens from entering the nasal pathways. But you think about it. A lot of these allergens are like microns in size, and a lot of people's mustaches aren't even that thick to be able to prevent the passage of that stuff. And even if they hold the stuff there, any type of perturbation can knock a bunch of stuff into their nose. Uh, I'll say this. 
you know, when I was younger, I had seasonal allergies. I had, you know, my issues with pollen, ragweed, etc. Uh, as I got older, I grew out of those allergies and most likely because I was able to grow a beard. That's just, you know, I can't speak for everyone else, but I can speak for myself. And the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> okay. Bearded, I gotcha. no allergies. So I'm not going to argue about this with you all throughout the show because we already gave. Of course, because you can't, you can't win. <laughs> You're not going to defeat a bearded man. No, we gave the listeners all they wanted about this beard stuff last episode. Oh, I'm sure. But, you know, if you had a beard, you wouldn't give up so easily. I'm not even going to say anything to that. All right. You know, because it's true. Silence is just an accepted truth. I get it. Oh, so silence is an accepted truth. So what about Mm -hmm. being boisterous? Uh, When you have a beard, being boisterous just means that you're right and you're trying to save the world. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about boisterous here. We got a guy, uh, Richard Sherman. Okay. He was boisterous, wasn't he? Quite boisterous. Very much so. Very much so. And does, does he have a uh, Richard beard? Sermon, Richard Sermon does have a beard. Uh-huh. Very much so. Okay. Did you see him? Did you see him make that game-winning play with his beard? <laughs> oh, with the beard. The the beard the be- reached you up. Didn't see, you didn't see the you didn't see the beard reach up and and bat the ball out of the air. Nah, I didn't see that, bro. That's what I saw. <laughs> I think it's because I have a beard. I have better eyesight than you. That's really what it is. Uh, it's okay. Okay. You know? Yeah, you're enlightening me to things that I have not heard about or read about in a book or okay. observed in life okay. ever. <laughs> hey, it's all right. You know, uh, you get an interesting perspective on life once you, once you grow it. Okay. So, I mean, actually let's go into this Richard Sherman thing since we started on it. Okay. And I'll actually take this seriously because it's something that I was actually very interested in uh, and have followed closely over the past week. Okay. So for all of you listeners who don't know, Richard Sherman is a cornerback. He's a defensive back for the Seattle Seahawks. And they're going to the Super Bowl to play the Denver Broncos. And after the NFC Championship game, in which he made the culminating play that actually took Seattle to the Super Bowl, he was asked by a reporter about the play and and what was the significance of the play. And he went off on the receiver that he was defending. And there had been some back and forth between the receiver, Michael Crabtree, and Richard Sherman for quite some time. Richard Sherman proceeded to say that he was the best cornerback in the NFL and that Michael Michael Crabtree was mediocre and he shouldn't come at him. And it was a very loud and boisterous type response. But I think what we're talking about here is actually the response from the general public after he said what he said. So, AJ, you have anything to say about that? I do. Uh, Personally, my my opinion of the whole situation, initially, before I got all the background information of of what led up to him responding in the way that he did, was I loved it. I loved it right off the bat. I thought it was passionate. I thought it was real. It was honest. It wasn't a robotic, you know, thought-out response. He, He was passionate he had just come off one of the greatest plays of his career his adrenaline is running through the roof and he said exactly what he felt and it added to the conversation about 
the NFL. People are talking about it. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got your attention. And he didn't curse. He didn't call anybody out of their name. He didn't do anything, you know, disrespectful. He was just loud, you know, and aggressive, if you will. Um, but he's playing a sport that's the most aggressive sport, you know, arguably one of the more aggressive sports in the world. So to to expect a guy that does that for a living to come off of the greatest play of his life and be the most eloquent, eloquent person you've ever heard is crazy. Um, you know, and it's interesting looking back on it afterwards, seeing some of the, the, the backlash that came from it, um, seeing some of the background, you know, you know, a lot of people don't know right before he had that interview, he went over to Michael Crabtree to shake his hand, you know, all the while saying hell of a game, hell of a game. And in that moment, Michael Crabtree pushed him in the face, like literally put his hand to his face mask. Now, if another man had done that to me just prior to me being in, in an interview, I might have something to say about it. And, you know, I think he did. He did what he felt he should. And he was he was genuine. And I can always respect that. Right. What about you, Chris? I mean, you point out the sequence of events. There was a game saving play that he made. And then he goes over to Michael Crabtree, pats him on the butt, says, hell of a game. And Crabtree pushes him in the face. Then he goes and does his greetings and, and you know, greets the other side, embraces his teammates. And he comes over to the sideline and the reporter asks him a question. So you think about that, that there's just a buildup of adrenaline, a sequential buildup of adrenaline. And you shove a microphone into his face, give him an outlet to be able to voice what's on his mind, all the preparation throughout the season to get to this point where he's going to the Super Bowl, and you expect him to have a coherent response, let alone something that's not incendiary? This is Richard Sherman we're talking about. This is a guy who loves to to bring any takers on. You put a microphone in front of him, he's going to say something that you may not want to hear. Absolutely. I mean, did you see did you see the interview between him and Skip Bayless? <laughs> Where he basically just told Skip Bayless that he was stupid. Oh, li- lis- <laughs> listeners, listeners, if you have not seen this interaction between Richard Sherman and Skip Bayless, please go to YouTube as soon as this podcast is over. Don't go now. Wait, wait till we're done. But as soon as the <laughs> podcast is over, YouTube, Skip Bayless, Richard Sherman, dismantle Skip Bayless as if he is a three-year-old child. <laughs> But so going back to this, you had a lot of responses, especially on social media, with people calling Richard Sherman a thug. Obviously, Richard Sherman wasn't a thug. Him making comments that were a little out of place for that forum does not make him a thug. No, not at all. And I think a lot of people on social media were seeing, oh, Here's this form in which I am heard. Here's this form in which I am actually greater than I am in life. And so I can make comments that are incendiary. I can make comments that will get people saying, hmm, what's this person talking about? Hmm, let me click on their Instagram pictures. Hmm, let me retweet them. And they're taking it to the max. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I feel like the majority of people who are on these, you know, social media outlets, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, are just trying to be the most popular person that they could possibly be. So how many, how can I say something that is going to catch your attention, that's going to make you want to re- retweet what it is that I said, 
or double tap my Instagram picture. And that's really all it is. When you say something that's sensational, you get people's attention. And if you're degrading someone who just so happens to be thrust into the forefront, you know, Richard Sherman's all of a sudden he's a trending topic. I'm I'm getting on this and I'm I'm gonna try and get my my followers up one way or another. And and people lose track of or, or sight of what it is that they're really saying. And I loved that Richard Sherman in the pre-Super Bowl interviews was asked directly how he felt about the use of the word thug to describe him. And he did not dodge the question at all. He said, I truly believe that when people use the word thug, that they're really just using it as a substitute for the N-word. And he called them out for it. And in my estimation, it seemed as if he would rather them be honest and upfront and say exactly what they meant than to use the word thug. And it, and it infuriated him. For Richard Sermon, you know, he stated, you know, being that he was born in Compton, that he spent time in Compton, Long Beach, and other, you know, places in, in the greater Los Angeles area that are considered maybe, you know, crime riddled or impoverished, where, you know, you have a certain criminal element that comes from there, that he he's fought this stereotype that he's just a kid from the hood his entire life. And it was it, it dismayed him that in one interview, he went from being someone who had graduated from high school with a 4.2, gotten a full scholarship to go to Stanford, 1,400 on his SAT, graduated from Stanford with a 3.7, you know, got his degree, a, a master's degree from Stanford before finishing his football career there. I mean, he had done so many things uh, positive since leaving where he came from that all of a sudden he was thrust right back into that stereotype in an instant. It does speak to how sad it is in a country now, the state of race relations hasn't changed all that much. That when somebody comes out who, Richard Sherman is one of the most altruistic players in the NFL, he's constantly giving back. And it's even more impressive because he's still on his rookie contract. But all in the span of a minute and a half, he has one interview, it's taken all out of context, and he's now being called a thug. And it's sad. It really is. The main topic. It's time for the main topic, and I'm so excited to be able to bring on a special guest for this episode. Uh, this one's going to be a memorable one. You know, no pressure on our guests, but this young lady is somebody I've known for eight years, I believe now. Her name is Autumn. Autumn, welcome to Dude Logic. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. Chris, you have anything to add before we get into it? <laughs> I'd just like to thank her for coming and, and really just tell her uh, she didn't know what she got herself into. So I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely no idea at all. You know what? And I have to take I have to take all the credit for that because me being the wild card that I am, I'm going to have to take credit for this because I knew it would be hilarious to have you in the studio with us today. Sounds good. I hope I don't disappoint. For the main topic today, we're going to have you choose something to talk about. So, Autumn, what do you want to talk about? It's like the hygiene thing. So, I have a lot of male friends and guys that are not in relationships will just go days without bathing. And it's cool because I'm like the one homegirl in the group of homeboys and it's accepted in the guys and nobody pays any attention to me there. But just you guys don't keep yourselves up when you're not 
And everybody always teases women because you're like, oh, you guys dress for each other. Oh, you put on all that makeup for each other. You, you do whatever you need to do for each other. But whatever it is, women are motivated to keep themselves up, to continue to wash their behinds, to continue to look presentable when they leave the house. Men just don't care. Like, if you're not going to go see a girl, then it's like, eh, it's only been a day and a half. Yes. <sighs> okay, so go. Chris, I will allow you to answer this first because I'm going to end with a bang. All right. Uh, I will say that, yes, you are right. I have no arguments against that. Um, what I will say, however, is that society, and I'm going to blame this on society, really idolizes the beauty of women more than the handsomeness of men. And so you think about women. Hmm. I mean, I, I think it's... I think it's that's, a situation... A... Wait, wait, wait. What were you about to say, AJ? I was... Look, you took that a lot deeper than I thought you were going to go with it. But <laughs> go with it. Run with that. Well, I mean, I, I just think I'm that... I'm all about the handsomeness of men, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the smell goodness, the handsomeness, no. all of the nesses that men can possess. <laughs> well, from... <laughs> you think about it from a young age little girls are taught to oh keep your hair nice and dress this way dress that way if you want people to notice you they're put into beauty pageants when they're very young and you know you don't see boys doing that boys get put in youth football where they they roll around in the mud and they're taught to be slimy and grimy but then you have the opposite side of the spectrum where women are taught to be refined from a very from a very um young age and then men, when they get into the world and they finally realize that women like someone who is clean cut, they like someone who bathes, someone who smells good. They just can't really make that transition very well. And it's and it's all, you know, it has a lot to do with men still being like in a boy state, in a boyhood state, really thinking as boys and operating as boys. And as little boys, you don't take baths, you don't try to put on cologne. You don't try to do anything to impress the girls. You're trying to go in there and give the girls noogies or, or hit them. You're not trying to get with them. And so I think, you know, when you see a guy who transitions from, and this is something we talked about in, in the first episode, actually, who transitions from being a boy to being a man, I think you see that transition in every facet of his life and especially in his hygiene. I, but at I what will, point does that change? Like, when do you grow <clears throat> grow up and, and realize that that's something you need to pay attention to because when you get married you're like oh I already got her I don't need to change anything she's cool with this like well I think you know for me I got to a point where I decided that I wanted to put more emphasis on my personal appearance my and I had pride in how I carried myself I wanted you know I looked at my father I looked at my grandfather I looked at people that I respected from you know older generations and I said these guys carried themselves with a certain level of 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 you know they they had a debonair air about them you know it was a refined gentleman type of and that was i wanted to change my perspective like the way people look at me and i wanted to be respected and not just you know i feel like as men so much of what we do is evolutionary uh nine ninety percent of the things that we do as men is to attract women you know 90 only 90 90% of the things that we do. Uh, so, 
I'm being conservative, being conservative, because I don't I don't have the facts right here in front of me, Chris. And I don't want you fact checking me and going back <laughs> and, and making me have to do research. So I'm going conservative with a 90 percent in here. But no. And I mean, the reason why uh, we drive nice cars or the reason why we go after the high paying jobs, the reason like. I would venture to say that most men would have absolutely no motivation in life to do anything positive if they weren't trying to impress women. So if we could sit on our butt and not have to take a shower every day because we have nobody that we're trying to impress, uh, we're very comfortable with our own stench. Um, but it's seen as manly, right? It's, it's seen as manly. I mean, this is Sparta. Do you think Spartan warriors really cared how many times they were bathing a day? <laughs> Probably not. All right. That's all I'm saying. They also didn't and, uh, have technology. They also had beards. All right, AJ. I'm just yeah. all right, we're gonna leave that one out. <laughs> anyway, back to the topic at hand. No, I mean, I think that like Chris said, Chris made a very great point in that w- once you get to a certain point and you are transitioning from boyhood to manhood, you start to put a lot more emphasis in your personal appearance, the way you carry yourself, how people perceive you, because you know the societal implications it has for being the stinky pig pin kid in the, um, that you're not going to be able to find a suitable uh, uh, woman who wants to, to be in a relationship with you and have kids with you and propagate the species, if you will. So, so AJ, what about the societies where men at a very young age actually are taught to be like the head of the household and they're taught to be manly and macho and they might not necessarily take care of themselves from that point on. What do you say about that? Well, I mean, it it just, I mean, if you're talking about countries that, you know, foreign countries where customs may be different, then it's, I mean, it's all about what is customary and, and, you know, accepted, socially accepted in, in that region. But, you know, if we're talking about in the United States, we are very fond of things that smell good. I don't want to walk by anybody at this point in my life and have to smell B.O. hitting me in my nostrils. <laughs> so I appreciate people who use deodorant. I appreciate people who use cologne and perfume. I appreciate people who take the time to wash their ass, as Autumn has has, has said earlier in this uh, the podcast. Uh <laughs> I mean, but I guess it's really just, you know, like you say, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. You, you adjust to the customs of wherever you are. Uh, but as far as, you know, being the head of the household, I feel like there are different ways of doing that, um, no matter where you are. You so know. do you think it's like a reflection, I mean, of men in the United States, do you think it's a reflection of what we were talking about earlier, sort of the video game culture? Uh, you know, well, how, if, how, how so, Chris? You know, explain that. You're thinking in that. Well, I mean, just the fact that, you know, one of the things that we discuss is that possibly um, the whole being stuck in boyhood thing may have something to do with excessive playing of video games. And do you think that that type of mentality carries over to hygiene? Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, uh, for someone who his his growth has been stunted, his maturity level is not where it should be. You know, I believe that the, the decision to make personal hygiene a priority is definitely a statement of where your maturation level is. 
So when you, well, like we said, when you make that transition from boyhood to manhood, that becomes something that is a, a more of a, a, it becomes, it comes to the forefront for you as something that you should be taking care of. But what is so, the trigger? Like, what is the, the main catalyst for launching you from boyhood and really under your parents' tutelage to kind of independence and really seeking a wife? Because I think that at our age, and I am mid-20s, I guess, um, there are still a lot of guys that are in that same mindset that are still you know, comfortable with the way that things were and video games or the newest Madden is the main priority and they have not moved towards realizing that you need to bathe daily and just kind of a lot of these things where you should have outgrown some of these things when you graduated high school, but certainly college. Um, and now we are past even graduate school age and they still have not outgrown some of these things. So what is the main catalyst? Is that you meet the one who makes you want to change or is it that you meet the one and you think, well, she loves me in spite of me, so I don't need to change. Like what, what finally makes you get it together? Chris? Hmm. Oh, well, I mean, th- this is something that we touched on in episode one, right? Yeah. And I think the consensus that we had amongst everyone that was there was that it's responsibility, first and foremost, that gets you to that point, whether it's the responsibility of knowing that, you know, you have to take care of yourself or knowing that you have to take care of someone else. It's something that causes you to step up and become the man that, you know, you were destined to be. But other than responsibility, I also think that it's a sense of pride. And when your pride shifts from being able to be, you know, get a high score in a video game or being able to beat everybody online in Madden or Call of Duty or whatnot. And your pride shifts more towards, am I being a provider for my family? Am I doing good things within the community? Am I a an example to those young people who look up to me? Then that's where that shift kind of occurs. And for some men, that mental shift can take place very late. But it's not necessarily a bad thing that it took place late. It's more so that they needed a longer processing time, a longer time to develop. Uh, but it really has to do definitely with responsibility and pride. I really think those are the two things. So I have a follow-up. Because for a lot of women, especially for, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get crucified for this, but for a lot of black women, we have like this independence thing, right, where we yeah. can take care of ourselves. And we want you there for some emotional reinforcement, but we don't need you. So your responsibility to us is really emotional, um, which I know for a lot of men is not really a tangible responsibility. So if for us, (laughs) we don't need you to take care of us and we don't, you know, there's not any tangible responsibility that you have to us. Is there still, unless we get pregnant, is there an impetus for you to grow up or is it kind of like, you know, I love this girl and I could see myself being with this girl, but she doesn't have the need for me to do anything specific. There's no specific role in her life that I know that I have to play. There's nothing specific that I know that I need her to provide. She's got her degree. She's got her job. She can do, you know, anything that you would think that you're supposed to do. She's telling, she is not only doing, but reminding you constantly that she can do. Um, Does that kind of contribute to it? Is it kind of like a, Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, 
when you're speaking of being in a relationship and and wanting to step up and become a man, if you will, for the person that you're in a relationship with, I guess it really just it, it speaks to how do you feel about this person? What role do you want to play in her life? And yes, you know, I've dealt with I, you know, I'm the type of person that I, you know, almost completely in the past have dated women that are, you know, very independent, are capable of doing for themselves and don't necessarily need somebody in their life. Um, And I appreciate that. But at the same token, you know, it just made me feel like I need to step up. You know, as a man who, you know, I have a focus on wanting to be a provider, wanting to have a family, wanting to have a wife and kids and to raise good children, because, you know, I think I've spoke about this before, that my my legacy is more about what my children do after I leave here than what I do in my lifetime. And if I've raised them to live just lives, then I've done well. Um, and, and understanding that, you know, the first step is finding someone that you can share your life with. Well, if. I know that she's capable of doing all of these things for herself. I the burden is on me to show her that you don't have to do all of these things for yourself. You now have the ability to to relax, lay back, enjoy enjoy life a little bit more. You don't have to do everything, you know, on a regular basis because you have somebody that has come into your life that can take some of the burden off of you. You don't you don't have to continue to feel like you have to do everything on your own. Um, and it's just reassuring them that you know, continue to be who you are, continue to know that in the back of your mind, if anything were to fall apart, that you got yourself. But the beauty of being in a relationship is that you can share in the burdens that life will throw at you. And it's, it's about reassuring. And in, in doing that, you know, you start to make the changes that are going to reflect to her that you care. I think this is reflective of what I like to call the bastardization of gender roles in society. Mm. And this is based on kind of the theory that, yes, the man is supposed to be the head of the household. But the head of the household isn't defined as I am king. You do exactly what I say. I'm the leader. You follow me because it's more based on a model of what I um, call servant leadership. And so as the leader of the household, and as the man, you're actually there to serve your family. And specifically, you're there to serve your wife. And when she sees that you are a servant to her, then she will want to follow you. And she'll want to support you in all that you do. I really don't care. I want my wife to be the president of the United States if she wants to. I'm still going to serve her. And in that serving her, I'm going to support her goals. I'm going to support her dreams. But I'm also going to show her that I can be a dreamer as well. I can be a person who's going to achieve uh, to the highest extent that I can. And that is something that I do specifically because I want to be the one that is her rock. So if she were to ever fall, I would be the one to pick her up. But even more importantly for our kids, I want to show them that we're strong, that, you know, we we hold each other up. Our next segment is called Chick Logic, and it's basically logic from the chick perspective. So, AJ, you got anything?
I think one of the things that we were going to talk about, let's talk about sports. I mean, this is the week of the Super Bowl, and there's nothing bigger on television as a production than the Super Bowl. And I know that come Sunday, I will be planted in front of a TV somewhere. It doesn't matter where, but I will be watching the game. And oftentimes, you know, ladies out here may have an issue with their man watching football as much as we do, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, for, for most of us, we'll get a pass for the Super Bowl, but Autumn, if you could speak to maybe why certain women are, or if women have an issue in general, why do they have an issue or, or what do you, what's your feelings on this whole thing? So I've got to be honest. I'm like one of few people that watched the entire Pro Bowl. Um, I was invited to several Super Bowl parties, and my response to everyone has been, I don't socialize during football. I am right there with you guys. Like, I am holding on, clinging for dear life to the last game of the season. But I think that if I had to speak for women in general, uh, the issue that a lot of women have is probably the issue that I face when I'm dating as well. And it's that they don't want anything that's taking attention away from them. So anything that you are spending more time with, paying more attention to, that you're more excited about than you are excited about spending time with them, doing things with them, listening to them talk, is going to become a problem. Um, and I know a lot of people, when I say that, a lot of people are like, no, there's no way that you meet guys that are, are have a problem with how much you watch football. But really, it comes down to the same thing. I think it's just a human thing of if you're into someone you want that person to be as into you as you are into them, and you don't want to feel like they are into anything more than they are into you, whether it's football or video games or whatever it may be. So so what you're saying is that women are, are feeling left out when we're so engaged uh, into the game. Maybe somewhat similar to what it feels like to, to, to be in the room while they're watching Scandal, and I can't even so much as sneeze without offending them. Is that what you're saying? Is, is, is that I you lost me the scandal analogy because scandal comes on on Thursdays and there's Thursday night football. Thursday night uh, football. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yep. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, Somebody who understands our plight. Thank you. But other than that, I think so. I think it's just you know a matter of you being more interested in the game than you are in, in whatever she may be feeling. Well, you know, in the past, I've definitely tried to incorporate, you know, with with women that I've been in relationships with before. It it is a give and take. So it's a compromise in any relationship. And and football is one of those things that I'm not willing to let go of. It's something that I love. It's a passion of mine. It's something that that I really enjoy. So the idea was to bring them into it, to teach them the game so that they could be in, they could interact. They could, you know, they could be into it as much as I am. That's the goal. Right. You know, I think every guy, you know, and Chris, you can speak to this. Almost every guy kind of wants that girl that can sit down and watch a game with him and appreciate it and love it just as much as he does. I mean, what do you think about that, Chris? <laughs> well, I mean, not really even appreciate it and love it or just pretend to, really. I mean, I think it's a situation where, yeah, this is something that I like and we have to compromise when we're in a relationship. You have to compromise and kind of partake in some things that I like and I have to do the same so if I have to sit and watch Scandal taped by the way not live because I'm not missing Thursday Night Football Good job. Good job. if I have to sit and watch it with you then I'll have to endure that hour of pure misery uh, just to keep you watching football with me hey, you know it's a give and take it's compromise but you know Autumn you know 
you've already voiced that you're you're not you're you're not the typical woman in that you do love football and you are there on Thursday night watching Thursday night games. But for your your friends, I'm you know you do have many of a, a, a female friend I'm sure who may have called you, talked to you about you know football or whatever issues that they dealt with with their men. You know I know y'all gossip. Uh, so is that a conversation that you have with your friends? I get a lot of calls where people or women specifically, female friends of mine, are like, Autumn, please teach me football. Please teach me football because we're at this age where I need to be married soon. And if I don't learn football, I'm never going to find a man. Um, and my response is always, please be quiet. The game is on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's Dude really logic. Like, Dude <laughs> logic. That's how it goes. So I don't have the same impetus that you guys have. Like, you guys are like, all right, when the game is over, I'm going to want to sleep with someone. I don't have that. So for me, it's just like, please be quiet. The game is on. Maybe we can talk on Tuesday when there's no football on. But I I do get a lot of calls, like, please teach me the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3 defense. And while I'm not really good and I don't have the patience at sitting there and trying to teach the difference, I do kind of understand the mindset that is, I want to find something that my man can relate to, that he enjoys, that I can be a part of. And for me, again, my problem is the opposite. I had a guy approach me the other day in the parking lot to ask me what I was doing for a quote-unquote big game. And this was actually yesterday, and I was in Pro Bowl mode, and I was like, so the Pro Bowl? And he's like, yeah, 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 the Pro Bowl. I was like, okay. And he's like, can we go out for wings? Can we grab a drink for the Pro Bowl? And I was like, the Pro Bowl? He's like, yeah. And I was like, I, tonight? He's like, no, 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 next week. I was like, oh, okay, because that's the Super Bowl. That's, you know, that's the last game of the season. That's all we've got. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we should have drinks. And I was like, no, we absolutely should not have drinks because I don't want to talk to you during the last game, the one last football game of the season that I am going to have. But I think that his issue was that he wanted my attention. He wanted my time. That's the same that a lot of women go through. And I know we're having this conversation on Dude Logic, and you guys think that all men like sports. You do not. Not all of you. Some of you are faking some of you are pretending like you like sports because it's a masculine thing to do. Chance, chances are that those men that I don't I don't mean to interrupt. Autumn, go ahead. The, chances are that those men that don't like sports. Here we go. They they probably don't have a beard. Yep. I'm just saying. It's just saying. not that they don't <laughs> like them. It's that. So I guess you guys are used to encountering women that maybe casually follow. I am an avid sports fan. So when it comes around to like, you know, if, if all you know is what you saw in SportsCenter, we probably can't talk for long. So there are a lot of guys that will regurgitate to you guys in the locker room what they saw in SportsCenter. But really, when you want to pick apart the game, they don't have a clue what you're talking about. So I think for women, it's the same thing. They want to be interested. They want to be part of the conversation. They want to feel included. But it's just not, it's not the forefront of their interest. So let me ask you this about the Pro Bowl. What did you think about it? What did I think about it? Um, so I actually watched the Pro Bowl draft because it was a night where there was no other football on. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, nice. And I think that watching the Pro Bowl draft helped me build anticipation for the Pro Bowl. You know, you have allegiances. You decide which team you like better, whose trash talk is more appealing. Um, oh, of I it was, was Dion. Dion all Dion day. Had the, Dion had the better talk, but I'm an Eagles fan, and Jerry drafted LaShawn McCoy and I know that Dion drafted Deshaun, and but I really hate Deshaun. So on a personal <laughs> level, <laughs> on a personal level, I was Team Rice all day. And so up until the last minute, you know, the touchdown, the two-point conversion, with uh, even though Deshaun didn't get much play, I had committed to cheering for Team Rice because Deshaun McCoy was on the team. <laughs> and uh, 
so up to the last minute, I was pretty engaged. I was impressed. It was a defensive battle. I've not seen that level of de- defense played in a Pro Bowl ever. Yeah, it was a very um, yeah. low-scoring Pro Bowl. It was a very low-scoring Pro Bowl. It was yeah. also a very fun-to-watch Pro Bowl. I had a backup plan that was at 8.30 if the game wasn't entertaining. I was going to watch Ray Lewis as a football life for the third time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I never switched over because the game was just that entertaining. I was very impressed. I was a little concerned yeah. about the uh, the draft format versus the conference format. All right. But it was very interesting. So what about your boy Nick Foles? He, Nick Foles was on Dion's team. I don't believe in Nick Foles yet. I want to. <laughs> and I know that on the stat board they're putting him up there as elite. But, you know, I, I was actually in the stadium when we played Dallas, and he did nothing. And Mar- Matt Barkley came in the game, and the whole stadium was like, what? Who's that behind center? <laughs> What it sounds like to me is that you're you're not really an Eagles fan and you're overly critical of your players on your team. Because if you ask but me if about you know Atlanta anything Falcons about Eagles players, fans, we're all overly critical about everything. Uh, we boot Santa Claus, true. we throw this batteries. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I do know that, but you know I'm what? A real that's fan. why Atlanta. That's why Atlanta Falcons fans are better. Because I love my team, every player on the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah irrationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you just heard me say I hate uh, Deshaun Jackson. He's our best receiver. So yeah, yeah. He but dropped a lot of balls last year. Why not the Grammys? Why wouldn't that have been your second choice? Why would it have been? There was lots of stuff there to like, right? I didn't this even is the know best the, Grammys this... the Grammys were on until I checked in Twitter to say how exciting Cam Newton is to watch. And everybody was talking about Macklemore or whatever they were talking about. Ryan um, Lewis, yes. That's just not my thing. Like, I'm... Not that cool. I don't really know the cool new hip music. I know football. That is my thing. Hmm. Interesting. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Autumn, I wasn't watching the Grammys last night either, and I could care less about what societal implications the the Grammys had. On it's like really, <laughs> there's so much more important things in the world to just be focused on than whether or not Macklemore won another award. And are you serious? I'm done. <laughs> like. I'm good. So, yeah, I was right there with you. The Pro Bowl was – I actually really enjoyed the new format. I really like Yeah, I feel like the players played harder. I felt like it was more on the line, you know, and, and it was interesting. It was, it was a good, it was a good team, watch. Team hits. We had Rob, Ron Rivera saying that no matter what question you asked him, he was not rushing the passer if Cam was in the game. Yep. <laughs> good stuff. Chris, you have any more questions for Autumn? Well, I you mean, know, I, I actually kind of want to go back to that Grammys thing. So, I mean, there were a lot of things that that would be good dude uh, dude banter, so to speak. Okay. Like, uh, okay. there's something that we put on Instagram, right? About yes. Pharrell, he had on a what looks like a big... Smokey the Bear hat? Yeah, <laughs> big Smokey the Bear yeah. hat. Like, we didn't know what the hell he was wearing. And then there's the stuff like with Jay-Z and Beyonce. They had their little moments on stage. Oh, what? Clap it up! I'm I'm just saying, what is women's infat? What is women's infatuation with this Jay Z Beyonce thing? <laughs> I'm really the wrong person to have one for this segment. <laughs> um, so I have not caught up with whatever happened with the Grammys last night because I'm still on like, oh my god, that was a great Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, I think that women's infatuation with Jay Z Beyonce is that they just seem to be this like power couple, this unstoppable on top of the world in love with each other couple. Um, 
I have an issue with really attractive women with really unattractive men, which I think is personified in the Jay Z Beyonce thing. I, I told you I was off for the segment. But so me personally, I have not been a fan of either one since they got together. Um, but if I had to speak to why, I really think that yeah. So they really look for a couple who is unstoppable. I'm sorry who personify black love, who are sitting on top of the world. And for Jay-Z and Beyonce, you really have that in them. You know, you have two figures who are dominating their respective industries. Beyonce is the, I guess, number one female R&B singer. Jay-Z has been in the game for over 10 years. Um, They've come together. They've gone through adversity. They're hanging out with the president and first lady of the United States. They are sitting on top of the world and for women you you look towards couples that you want to be like so for jay-z and beyonce again they represent things that i guess we all want you know we all want to be on top of our games we all want to be completely in love and and conquering the world as a couple as a unit and so 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 are you saying that women out here are trying to surfboard with their men Surfboard literally is that slang? <laughs> I believe that's the urban dictionary word <laughs> today. <laughs> Surfboard. <laughs> Surfboard. So we here on on Dude Logic appreciate the opportunity to bring to you every week a new term from the Urban Dictionary and a segment we like to call the Urban Dictionary Word of the Day. The Urban Dictionary Word of the Day is... Today's word is surfboard. Now, I'm going to give a definition of it. Uh, It is an act that you can engage with with your partner in a bathtub that Mm. can lead to pleasure. Google it. Urban Dictionary Word of the Day incredibly small and you shouldn't be engaging in too much together in the bathtub but hey <laughs> but that's the line that everybody knows from drunken love ah uh, yeah yeah okay listen to the you whole know, song i was wondering that. where that was coming from <laughs> yep 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 so unfortunately i've been i've had to listen to that song way too many times in the last few weeks of my life it's everywhere so you know, what, you know what? I have um, a double dose of the Do Logic Urban Dictionary word of the day. The Urban Dictionary word of the day is. Oh, oh. Yeah, double dose. So this is this is stemming from the fact that you said that uh, that you were talking about how you know pretty woman is with an ugly man. What about the opposite way? Whenever you see a a handsome man with an ugly woman, you know, a woman that has um, what we like to call a cornbread forehead. Oh, wow. Wow. Cornbread forehead. Someone with a crusty or cellulite forehead. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can we back up? Can I get, like, a visual example? Who has a cellulite forehead? <laughs> Oh man, you're putting us on the spot here. I am. You brought up the term. I need some 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 illustration here. All uh, right, give me a second. 
I'm going to go to my favorite school. <laughs> oh, wait. Obviously, there's no one famous. Uh, they wouldn't get too far with that, right? I don't know. There are some pretty successful people out there that look kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Cellulite forehead. Oh, my God. Uh, Chris, you are very familiar with this actress by the name of Minka Kelly. <laughs> She's and got a has, cornbread forehead. She has a cornbread forehead. She does have some wrinkles in her forehead. So uh, I don't know that you person. Know, you would know her if you knew her, uh, Autumn, from Friday Night Lights, the television yeah. series. So, uh-huh. all right, all right. That was that was. <laughs> I can't believe I'm taking time out of our podcast to research this. <laughs> this is like, this is an episode. Later. This is an episode first. Uh, oh, Faith Hill, apparently. They're asking <laughs> questions about like, whether what? or not she chain smokes because her skin does not look well. That's that's terrible. Maybe we should get the listeners to write in who has a cornbread forehead. There you go. Oh that would... When in doubt, always bring the listeners into the fold. The Urban Dictionary word of the day is we we've had a we've had the opportunity to ask you a whole bunch of questions, um, but you know here's your opportunity to ask us a question. <laughs> you know so what's something that you think yourself and maybe some of your other female compadres might want to know about us men. <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on a spot or anything. Yeah, thanks. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure um, yeah, I I generally am okay with men. Like I don't have any deep dark secrets I need to understand. Alright, so AJ's been taking pot shots all podcast about the whole facial hair thing. Where do you stand on that? Ah, uh, put me on the spot. Um <laughs> So when I was a little girl, my godfather told me that any black man without facial hair is most certainly gay. Um, so because of that, I prefer black men with facial hair. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> AJ, the win. you planted this one, AJ. You had to plant it. Look, hey, we're not going to talk about her uncle and how ridiculous his views <laughs> Sexuality are my godfather. My godfather. Okay, wait. I was. I clearly wasn't listening after I heard the end part. <laughs> you know, it might be some very antiquated ideas on sexuality, and, and it, it, we'll, we'll leave that alone. But the end result is Autumn. You're attracted to men with what? Oh, with facial hair. There you go. <laughs> and keep in mind that Autumn is speaking for every woman in the world. <laughs> And her capacity on dude's logic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm telling you, AJ, I'm going to get you back when you least expect who, it. Who wins? <laughs> who wins today? The facial haired gentleman by the name of AJ. Thank you. Thank you. We are the champions. <laughs> oh, man. You can keep fighting, Chris, but you're going to lose. Chris, clean shaven? No, I have a goatee, but t- 
today. Oh, no, not tonight. No, not, not tonight. tonight. Tonight, I actually shaved my goatee to stand with my non-bearded brethren, whom AJ was actually talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. Now all your masculinity is in question. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, I'm comfortable in line. For a little while. <laughs> I'm com- I'm confident enough to walk around without facial hair. Autumn, you have no idea the gift that you just gave me. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> on this show and, and just and just and speaking the truth, you know, so many people are afraid to do so. And and you came in and you just you said, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna speak from the heart and I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Not a problem. Yes. It's now time for AJ's gripes. It's the section where AJ talks about something that's bothering him. So, what's your gripe, AJ? AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. Well, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to everybody that has taken time out of their day to listen to this this podcast uh, thus far and say that you're awesome. And I'm going to follow that up with the gripe, which is if you are listening to this podcast right now as I'm speaking... And you have not let everybody in the Twitter sphere slash Facebook slash everyone you know on every social media outlet ever know about Dude Logic Podcast, then you're failing. If your entire family does not know about this podcast, you have failed today. All right. And for everyone who is not listening to this podcast, I just, you know, like, I don't know if you can ever really truly succeed in life without this podcast in your life. So if you're not listening, I suggest that you find a way to listen next week. If you are listening, you need to tell everybody who's not listening that they are losing right now. That's AJ's gripes for this week. AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. We're at the end of the show, and we'd definitely like to thank our guest, Autumn, for coming on for Chick Logic. Is there anything that you want to broadcast about what you're doing or contact information for our listeners? None of the above. Uh, (laughs) Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Don't worry, uh, listeners. I'll make sure to shoot you her email address later so you can send her all (laughs) the comments, concerns, questions, anything that you want to, you know, spew venom at her. Uh, Any of you ladies out there who might not appreciate some of the things not. In all honesty... I really appreciate you coming on the show, Autumn. You brought a great perspective, and maybe we'll have you on future episodes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. And AJ, go ahead. What's your spiel? <clears throat> All right. Uh, well, as always, you know, it's good to get to the end of another show. If you want to keep up with me, you can catch me on my blog, ajsmeltdown.com. That's ajsmeltdown.com. You can catch me on Instagram at AJ underscore the underscore trainer and on Twitter at AJ's Meltdown. Chris, what about you? All Where right. Can... Uh, you're going to laugh again, but you can catch Every me on time. <laughs> you can catch me on Twitter at CG Skeezy. That's C-G-S-K-E-E-Z-Y. And uh, my blog, 
www.thelifeandtimesofthemind.com. Lots of musings, poems, things from the mind. And uh, for the podcast, you can catch us on www.dudelogicpodcast.com. On Twitter at, at DudeLogicPod. That's at DudeLogicPod. On Instagram at DudeLogicPod. Facebook, www.facebook.com slash DudeLogicPod. And you can also email us. Email us in your suggestions. DudeLogicPodcast at gmail.com. For AJ and Autumn, this is Chris signing off. See ya. See you next week, folks. You know, I have it at Broncos 31, Seahawks 28. Oh, wow. You got it as as a Titan.